Welcome to The Grap Up, your once-in-a-while podcast looking at the world of professional wrestling here on the Link to the Cast Network. I'm your host, Mark Robinson, and on this episode we will be taking a look at New Japan Pro Wrestling's Wrestle Kingdom 13 that took place on January 4th, 2019 from the Tokyo Dome. Uh, discussing the build-up for the show itself, as well as taking a quick look at the fallout with New Year's Dash and where the company is heading in 2019. Uh, I do not have my usual assortment of friends, as we're still recovering from the Game of the Year recordings. So to help me steer the ship in the right direction, I've called for the big guns. Uh, making his long-awaited return is friend of the show and editor of the Wrestling Observer, Figure 4 Online, it's Brian Rose. Brian, thank you very much for joining me, and Happy New Year. Thank you for having me on, and Happy New Year. Uh, how, was, uh, how was your Christmas and New Year's and the, the festive time of, of the year? Uh, it was pretty good. I, I mean, it just kind of chilled out and I got to not work on news all day like I usually do but uh yeah I mean I got some cool stuff for Christmas and I spent New Year not watching Smackdown or Raw or whatever was on that day so you hear you how do you call yourself a dedicated wrestling fan honestly Hey, it to be fair, nobody else watched those shows. If you look at the ratings, okay? no, that's true. Although the the smack that was the five way, the SmackDown main event. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I watched that um a day or two later. That was a pretty good match. I I watched the finish. That was that that was a. I mean, five ways are usually pretty good in WWE, and that that was a, the last few minutes of that was really good for what I saw. Yeah, but we're not here to talk about WWE. You can find that anywhere else. Although, in fairness. All you're going to probably hear about for the next week is Wrestle Kingdom 13, uh, which was uh, a a show that we're going to talk in in a lot of detail about um, because it's a pretty. I mean, Wrestle Kingdom for the last few years has always felt like a very monumental show, um, and it's it's the the way the things that kind of align in terms of the show itself, the fallout. And the uh, the contracts situation with certain uh, wrestlers, and we've had uh, a lot going on with with Kenny Omega over the last couple of years about always oh, this the year that he's gonna head to uh, to WWE or elsewhere. But that's kind of like exploded with even more stuff with uh, All Elite Wrestling, and you know we'll get into that in in further details. But this was a pretty uh, monumental show uh, for a number of reasons. But I want to start with getting uh, your thoughts and feelings on. Just the, the build-up, not including any of the business side of stuff. How do you feel that uh, Wrestle Kingdom this year, um, in terms of its build-up, in terms of the, the booking and the storylines, you know, how did you feel kind of coming into Wrestle Kingdom? There, I didn't feel like it was like as big as previous years. And I think that's because, I mean, there's some stuff, some build-up between Omega and Hanahashi, but I didn't feel like there was like a ton. 
I mean, there is some stuff with Rolling Stone, and of course, there's like the Road to Tokyo Dome shows where they did build up stuff, and that awesome match that they had like right before, uh, a few weeks before Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, the the Golden Lovers against yeah, uh, Golden Lovers, Osprey, and Tanahashi. And, uh, Tanahashi. Yeah, that that was like a really awesome match, yeah. like one of the last great matches of the year. Um, but I mean, to me, I didn't feel like it was a really big show or a big deal until like the last week and really until the last day I felt like oh wow you know you look at this card and it's like one of the on paper it looked really awesome so I mean like as I was and I for figure four weekly I was doing the article previewing them the show and I'm writing it and by the time I finished it, I'm like okay wow this really is like a really good card like I don't know why I wasn't hyped about it like a week ago but now that I'm looking at the cards, it's like, yeah, this is like a really big show. Yeah, I think um, definitely on paper, uh, the show from top to bottom looks stacked. Uh, I think part of it is that uh, last year you had um, Jericho and Omega. And, you know, this is Jericho returning to New Japan after uh, 20 plus years or so. And, you know, the whole thing with that and, and Omega, who, who was coming off of, um, you know, the kind of the biggest year of his career with all the matches with Okada. Um, and then you have that main event. You have Naito, who is the, the hottest property in the company. And you have Okada, who's on this you know legendary run as IWGP heavyweight champion. And I think that it's, it's very, very difficult to um, come back the next year with a match that where just kind of everything felt perfectly aligned at that time, uh, which has me really curious about you know, how they'll, if they come back to a Cardo Naito next year, how they get back to that kind of level again. Um, but I do think that um, there are aspects of the Tanahashi and America storyline that I was interested in and them kind of discussing their different like philosophies on what wrestling should be. Um, I do think part of it is that uh, Omega over his title run uh, due to certain aspects within the ring and outside of the ring uh, he has become someone who was you know was was like the most popular wrestler it seemed at one time to just about everyone um, for different reasons but that seems to like a lot of people seem to have turned against him um, for a number of reasons and I think that um, played a part in the, the build-up to that main event not being as uh, kind of as epic as it could have been. Though, like, come the day itself, and I didn't really care about a lot of the stuff um, with Omega that other people were too concerned about. Uh, I just kind of saw that, you know, there was going to be this match between Kenny Omega and Hiroshi Tanahashi, and it's like, you have two of the greatest wrestlers going at the moment, and, you know, there's no way they can't have anything, you know, less than a four-star match. Yeah. Um, you, you know, in terms of people souring on, on Kenny Omega, you know, it's nothing new, <laughs> honestly, because it's uh, it, it's this thing on the internet where somebody becomes a big star and they win the title and they have a long run and all of a sudden people are dissecting the champion or, or Kenny Omega in this example and, and they're pointing out all of his flaws. And you, you know what? I agree with them in some aspects on Kenny Omega's flaws, like, he, like, he is kind of inconsistent in character, like, one week he's a heel, and the next week he's a face, it, it, it is largely inconsistent, and he's largely working on stories that are 
really inconsistent. I, they, they don't make much sense week to week or month to month. Uh, but, you know, just he, he is one of the most interesting people out there in, in wrestling today. And uh, he's one of the most dynamic wrestlers out there right now, too. Yeah, and I think that something that you can't call um, inconsistent is uh, the attendance. Um, so yes. year on year, uh, Wrestle Kingdom and the Tokyo Dome have kind of built on uh, their, their attendance numbers. Um, and I believe these are, you know, shoot numbers. They, they've they not been working them for a while now. But uh, Wrestle Kingdom 12 last year, headlined by Okada and uh, Naito, well, it was a double-build main event with them and Jericho and Omega, uh, hit 34,995. Uh, and the recorded number for this year's Wrestle Kingdom 13 is 38,162. So that's about... Uh, just over a 3,000 plus uh, rise in attendance. Um, yeah. And what do you make coming out of that? And do you think that, uh, you know, if they do go with uh, Naito and Akada next year, you know, do you think they'll, they'll hit 40 plus? I kind of think that they will because wouldn't that be on a Saturday? It's going to be on a Saturday next year, yeah. But although yeah, January I'm, 4th at least. <laughs> I'm interested. Yeah, this is the thing. I'm interested to see how. Because uh, one of the things coming out of uh, Tokyo Dome and their announcements for the year is that next year's Tokyo Dome will take place over January the 4th and January the 5th. Uh, mm-hmm. Getting in there before the WWE come up with the idea of a double night headed headlining WrestleMania. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be mad as well to see if they hit 40,000 and what they hit over the two nights. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting move by them. I, I, I don't know how it would do. Because, yeah, I mean, do you want to, like, dilute the card and just, like, put in a bunch of tag matches in between the really big matches? Or do they want to do, like, what they did this year where they or in previous years where, where they do a big card the first day and then the second day they shoot angles for the next uh, few months? Is I'm not really sure what to think of it. I, I mean, I think the overall goal is to make more money, and maybe they will by booking two days in a row, but... I, I don't know in terms of like what they're going to put on the cards for for each day and how many people they're going to draw well, on th- each day. I think that um, they could, depending on how they build it up and depending on who are the champions at the time, uh, you could have uh, the first night headlined by, say, the, the Intercontinental Championship match and maybe have one of the yeah. tag uh, title matches on that night and then January 5th have the IWGP and the other uh, tag title match um, and I think you you have with two nights you have more room to do a lot more singles matches um, and you have you know less of a chance of having the the gauntlet match that we seem to have every year now to get everyone else on the show so yeah. where I have seen people say that they're fearful that it would just we'd end up with all these multi-tag matches. I kind of think the other way. I think that uh, they'll end up actually just having more room now to, to do more singles matches um, because, you know, the the booking of New Japan has been for the longest time now and it is kind of a, a staple of Japanese booking is that you do have primarily, uh, you know, tag matches um, on the 
the smaller shows and they build up to the singles matches, which, you know, does make the singles matches more important. So it's, it's a philosophy that I agree with. Uh, but I do think that, that if they do, well, they are going to go with these two Tokyo Dome shows next year, is that I think it will give more room for, for more singles matches and to give more wrestlers a, you know, a more notable spot uh, to, to have a you know a more notable match, uh, but actually give a lot of wrestlers more to kind of sink their teams into, uh, which I think it would be really exciting uh, to see some talent that over the years, just because of how stacked the roster roster is, uh, you know m- maybe if it was over just one night wouldn't have a chance to have a, a prominent spot on the card. But now this hopefully, if in my mind how it goes, means that that might be possible. I agree, and, and you know it, it. It would also work because if you have like a really strong opener, like the one that we had here. I, I mean, guys like uh, Kenemaro and Desperado, and and, and those and the junior tag titles, for example, you could have moved that to the next night, and it wouldn't have been in front of like a. They wouldn't have had that expectation to like try outdo what the first match did. You know what I mean? Because it. it that was really hard for them. I know we'll get to it, but that was really hard for them to do. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's start running down this show. And um, we had one pre-show match. Uh, for the first time in, I think, three years, four years, uh, we didn't have the New Japan Rambo, sadly. Uh, we instead had yeah. the uh, gauntlet match was moved to the pre-show, which I'm kind of fine with. I think it helped with the pacing of the main show because it did feel... Uh, over the last couple of years, the, the gauntlet had just kind of been lumped into the middle of, of uh, the, the main show. Uh, yeah. But we had the MVPs, the most violent players, of Togi Makabe, Toriyanu, and Reisuke Taguchi, uh, defeating Yuji Nagata, Jeff Cobb, and David Finley. Uh, Chaos made up of Hiroki Gotu, Beretta, and Chucky T. Suzuki-gun made up of Minoru Suzuki, Lance Archer, and David Boy Smith Jr. And the Elite made up of Hangman Page, Yujiro Takahashi, and Marty Skull. And... Uh, I did a rich crash, and I have not watched this match because uh, I'm not one for the pre-shows. So, Brian, how was this match, and was it weird seeing Minoru Suzuki on the pre-show? Um, it was pretty weird. Yeah, I mean, most years he has like a big match with somebody, and this was the first year in a long while, maybe ever, that he was on the pre-show and he wasn't like that central figure of the show. So, I mean, yeah, that was really weird, but um, I did see this match, but I did not take notes. I don't know why I didn't, but um, yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good match. It was cool seeing Yuji Nagata on the show after uh, it was pretty much announced he wasn't going to be on, but I think uh, Michael Elgin suffered a knee injury, and he's out for a while, I guess. Um, yeah, this was a, a pretty good match. It, it went a long time, but I mean, it kind of has to because it's a gauntlet match. Um, I don't have really any like big things or big notes about this other than uh, it was really good, and they teased a split between the Elite and uh, Owens and Yujiro that was played out on the next night. Uh, I think that's like the most significant part of the match. And uh, so, yeah, so the winners of this. Um, Togi Makabe, Toriyani, and Roski Taguchi, uh, meaning they, they would get a shot the next night at New Year's Dash, which we'll uh, discuss in a little bit. Uh, moving on to the main show, the opener, Will Ospreay defeating Kota Ibushi for the Never Open Weight Championship. 
this is Will Ospreay now, you know, officially as part of the heavyweight dis uh, division. Uh, and what was notable about this match is that uh, Osprey has, has now kind of moved on to a more sort of striking-based offense. Uh, he still is, is more than capable and more than willing to yeah. do the flips that he does, uh, but certainly was showing a more aggressive and, and vicious side uh, to his arsenal. Uh, and I thought this match was fucking incredible. Uh, I, I, this was... A lot of people were kind of thinking that this could be uh, an early kind of match of the year contender. I'm not sure it's it's going to be there come the end of the year. Uh, but, like, A, I, I would be more than happy to see these two uh, do this dance again and in a kind of, like, headline spot on a on a on maybe a smaller card or something or as, like, uh, part one of a new beginning uh, show or something. But uh, this was just... I I, I love this match. Um, and probably, maybe I'm part of the problem, considering that Kota Ibushi came out with this with a concussion. Um, and I, I went back and watched this a second and a third time to try and establish where exactly he may have got the concussion, and I realized there was about seven points where that might have happened. Yeah. Uh, speaking on the match itself, it was, it was really good. Like, a great opener. Uh, it's not. I didn't think it was like the greatest opener of all time, but I mean, it, it's it's easily one of the best matches on the show. Um, yeah, and, and it's interesting because I was going to, into this match thinking, well, they're going to do every big flip and move of all time, like kind of similar to Osprey's matches against Ricochet uh, a couple of years back. Uh, but they didn't. It was much more of a striking offense, more of, you, you know, my move versus your move, kind of like a back and forth kind of thing. And that, that was really cool. Um, there were some cool spots, like uh, there was like a Stormbreaker attempt at, and Abushi Hurikaran at him. And, um, and of course, everybody's got to remember that elbow. But uh, really interesting that the elbow didn't cause the concussion. I, I think... It was like a kick in a corner or something. I I'm not like I haven't gone back and watched the match, but well, I think because there was the kick in the corner, um, and that was when he was in the tree of woe, and then Osprey yeah. kind of picks him up, and you see that Abushi just he just kind of face plants into the post uh, in a way yeah. that I'm pretty sure wasn't intended because he ended up with a bloody nose afterwards. So yeah, there's a good chance it, it came from there, um, and I don't know whether. Abushi then hitting the post kind of got him out of the concussion for that period of time, but uh, it yeah it got really brutal towards the end. And yes. I mean, you know, everyone thinks of both of these wrestlers as as the flippy type of wrestlers, but you know, it's well noted and documented that Abushi uh, is more than willing to go to the the striking based offense, and we usually see that come out in the in the G one. And there's, you know, obviously the the incredible match with Nakamura a couple of years ago at Wrestle Kingdom. So yeah, well, if they yeah. move to heavyweight, I think they're going to adopt more striking offense. I mean, Ibushi definitely has, and I think Osprey is going to do that too. Yeah, I, I, it definitely looks like Osprey has taken a note from Ibushi in terms of that transition to the, the heavyweight division, uh, which is, you know, I mean, obviously Osprey is is definitely going to keep um that that aerial side of his offense because he's he is just one of the best in the world at it and he's still only 25 so i don't think he's cleaner ibushi's 36 now so he's still got plenty of years to continue uh with that aerial based offense but um if this is what's to come with osprey in the the neverweight division i'm 
I'm really curious to see how this run goes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what he does with the, the Never title. It will be very interesting to see who he faces in the next few months, because there, there's a lot of options now that he's he can face heavyweight wrestlers. Yeah, he's definitely one of the people where it, it freshens up um, that heavyweight division, um, because it opens up uh, a lot of options for him. Um, and he's really kind of coming out of New Year's Dash as well, uh, the one where there's no kind of set direction yet. Um, yeah. And we'll talk about that when we come to, to New Year's Dash. But yeah, I think this was, you know, uh, one of the best matches on the card. Um, it was um, uh, a match of the year contender, but I don't think it needed to be. I think that the the clear uh, goal here was to, um, you know, really set Osprey off as, as a heavyweight wrestler. And uh, I don't think this was the exact way they intended to get to here on on the card uh considering the the changes we had considering um i can't remember if it was i think i think osprey was originally going to get another shot against uh can't even remember now but i know there was it chopped and changed but we got here in the end uh, i and... think it was like he was gonna face goto but then he got injured then taichi something along him. those lines something along those lines yeah but we got here in the end um, yeah we so, got here yeah okay. Uh, match number two for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Titles uh, saw the champions of Yoshinobu Kanemaru and El Desperado against Rapongi 3K and Bushi and Shingo Takagi. And uh, this was a... Uh, there were some complaints coming into this about this and the Heavyweight Tag Title match uh, turning both into three ways. Um, I wasn't too fussed about it because... Uh, both Rapongi 3K and Bushin Shingo uh, are awesome tag teams, and if anything, I think that they would uh, either make the matches better, or at least just you know give uh, some of these wrestlers, uh, whoever wouldn't have appeared, something a little bit more notable to do. Because I don't think that uh, you know you'd have only ended up with some of these teams ending up in the uh, the gauntlet anyway. Um, in terms of the match itself. Nothing particularly memorable, although on the second watch of it, I realized that I think Bushi does about three moves in this entire match. Yeah. I remember, like, the suicide dive towards the end. Yeah, but, which is at the <laughs> point I went, oh, yeah, Bushi's in this match as yeah. well. Um, but I feel that this was very much just, uh, this is a, a showcase for Shingo, as it's kind of been since yeah. he has come into New Japan. Uh, I think everyone's just kind of like, can we get to the point where he's a heavyweight already? Um, but until that happens, uh, I think this is a fine spot for him. And uh, once again, Shingo looked fucking incredible. He did. And it's like kind of the, one of those things where it's like really obvious there's like somebody really great here and should move up to heavyweight soon because if he's just got a team with Bushi, it kind of feels like... I mean, this is good for right now and, and good for him to establish himself as a, as a star in New Japan, but eventually I think he's going to need to break out. Because uh, this is, I mean, the junior heavyweight tag title scene is something that is good for a while, but eventually you need to break out and do something else because it can get repetitive really fast. Yeah, um, I, I think uh, once Hiromu returns, I think yeah. that as soon as Takahashi's back, I think you can um, put Shingo off into his own path. Um but this also means that this is the end of a, a, a notably long run for Kanemaru and El Desperado. 
um, who have kind of been, you know, they've been the, the cornerstone of this division for the last 12 months. So I don't think they have any kind of one real standout match in that time. No. I mean, they're an okay team. I, I like this Brado's charisma. I think he's pretty good. Kenamaru is also pretty good, but he doesn't have any charisma he's at all. He's kind of just there. He's there. Yeah, I he think he's a guy. I think Despi can do a lot more in his own. Like, you think back to Despi and uh, Takahashi during the Best of the Super Juniors, yeah. and, uh, you know, there's he's one of the more underrated wrestlers on the on on the entire roster. That's, that's what I feel like every time I see him. He's he's like not like a tippy top really good guy, but he's good enough to where he can have good matches with other people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, highlights of this match. Uh, the few highlights uh, again: Shingo and Sho uh, faced off against each other in a way that I was like, "Can I just get this as a singles match?" Um, I don't know where you stand on Sho and Yo in terms of who you think is going to be the standout star. I think Sho is the popular consensus. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, that's no offense against Yo because I no. think he's really good, but Sho, I, I mean, he's his he has something that Yo doesn't, and well, I'm it's, not it's quite gold, sure. It's what's the gold better. pants, I think. It is the gold pants, probably. You know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, in terms of other highlights, that's kind of about it. Uh, I, this was fine for what it was. Uh, I think the last time that these three teams were against each other, uh, at, uh, was it Power Struggle, I believe? Um, yeah. I think that, I think so. that was a better match, uh, mainly because it had more time, as far as I remember. Yeah. Um, that's going to be the theme of this show. Yeah. At least in the undercard. Yeah. But I think that, uh, hopefully at some point this means we'll get Rapungi 3K and Bushi and Shingo. Um, I, I think there's there's a really fun program you can do there until Takashi returns, if he returns. Yeah, I agree. Although we're going to get Kanemura and Despi getting a, a rematch before before that. But hey, it has to be done. It's true. Uh, yeah. Third match on the card, the Rev Pro British Heavyweight title was on the line as Tomohiro Ishii went up against Zack Sabre Jr. And this match for me was, um, I mean, not talking about the match itself, but I found this whole thing to be very surreal, uh, because if you hadn't noticed, Brian, uh, I am actually from the United Kingdom, wow. and uh, you'd never have told by the accent. And like yeah, for a start, for a start, I remember seeing Zack Sabre Jr. about eight to nine years ago uh, with him and Marty Skrull as uh, the leaders of the New School uh, in tag matches in front of about two hundred people in you know these tiny little halls uh, in the south. Uh, southeast of England, and to see him go from that to being in the Tokyo Dome in front of nearly 40,000 people, that's kind of one of those, yeah, I was there at the start. I was there when, you know, we were talking in the supermarket in my hometown about, like, what bands we liked. And, uh, yeah, to see him going up against Ishii in the Tokyo Dome, uh, and for the Rev Pro British Heavyweight title, is kind of a surreal thing, and... It's awesome because we've seen over the years, uh, the Tokyo Dome and, and Wrestle Kingdom, they've had like, uh, other heavyweight belts come in to be defended, whether it was the, uh, TNA heavyweight championship match or, uh, Ring of Honor championship match. And they've always been just kind of there, um, whether it was a case of like Jeff Hardy probably being possibly loaded, but I don't want to say that for any kind of. Uh, <laughs> It wasn't a good match. It was a terrible match. <laughs> in, in uh, Naito, yeah. yeah, or you had uh, Lethal has defended on the show, but Lethal's never really been over in Japan. Um, and oh. then there was the Adam Cole-Carla Riley match, which was fine, but 
you know, there's nothing more than that. Good. But here you've got, you know, it, 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 this couldn't have worked better because you had Ishii, who is more than well established with the New Japan, and Zack Sabre Jr., who has had an incredible 2018. Uh, so I think just kind of, the, even though there was no build-up, just all the pieces fell in place here, where even though this is a Rev Pro British Heavyweight title match taking place at Wrestle Kingdom, uh, everything was, was in alignment here for this to be to be over, at least. Yes. Um... I think one of my favorite matches still between these two was at the first, or maybe it was the second, I'm not sure. But it was the first cards in the United States, the, uh, I forget the name, the G1 Super Special, something like that, the, the two nights in uh, Long Beach a few years ago. Uh, they had a, an incredible match uh, over there, and they've had really great matches uh, throughout 2018. And uh, this this was no different, but uh, I mean it was shorter than those matches, but uh, this was still like a really really great match and really fun to watch. Uh, there was like a really cool spot uh, in the middle where uh, Ishii suplexes Saber, but he gets right back up on his feet and he goes right for the arm. That was like a really really cool spot that I like. Yeah, the thing I like about uh, Zack Saber Junior matches and what sets him apart from pretty much any other wrestler is that because he's wrestling is so focused on submissions uh it's that kind of ufc sort of thing or mixed martial arts thing where you know a match can end at any time because once he just he gets you in that submission that's it and so whether a match goes five minutes 10 minutes or 20 minutes um you don't really know when the finish is going to come and though that doesn't work uh, from the aspect of, um, you know, kind of building to the crescendo uh, of a match um, that you would get in the kind of traditional wrestling sense, um, not every match and every wrestler has to work to that formula. And I like that Zach is sure. kind of one of those people where he'll just get you in some sort of submission and then before you've even realized it, he's got him in some even kind of weirder version of a usually weird yeah. submission. And in this case here, like the having the arms trapped behind and the one leg kind of hanging over the shoulders, kicking Ishii in the back of the head. Um, and you could kind of see at the moment where he was kind of holding the arms back and then he kind of brings the arms in even tighter. And that's like, right, that's kind of the old uh, Kurt Angle putting the grapevine on the ankle lock to really like, yeah, this match is now over. Uh, and I thought it was a beautiful finish. I love that submission. Yeah, it was a really cool finish. Well, can you see the entire name? Because it's a really long name for what I understand. Unfortunately, I don't have the name in front of me, but if I oh. did, uh, I'm just going to call it Down With Conservatism because sure. uh, <laughs> uh, he is Zach Labor Jr. Uh, and yes, yes so um, I have no idea uh, if we'll see anything more going forward with the Rev Pro title in New Japan because um, it's, you know, it's been around uh, whether uh, Shibata was holding it, um, but, you know, it wasn't really a kind of prominent feature uh, last year. So, I don't know. Um, I'm hoping maybe uh, Zach gets another belt and we get back to the old Zaki two belts or Zaki three yeah. belts gimmick, because uh, he had one of the best runs last year, and uh, it, you definitely get the feeling that New Japan are going to put him as one of the, the prominent features, uh, one of the prominent wrestlers on the roster. Going yeah, that's kind of been the thing for the last year. He he won the New, New Japan Cup and then he challenged uh, Okada. Yeah, yep, I think it was Okada. Uh, Sakura Genesis. Yeah, he challenged him, and, and I mean, he's kind of he hasn't had like a really big prominent match since then. I, I, I not from what I recall, but um, he's been a prominent player in New Japan for the last year, and uh, 
if he's going to continue teaming with Suzuki, I think that's going to be like a really interesting team and a really, you know, it'll be a really cool year for him, I think. Yeah, I, I, you know, we'll talk about it now because I was going to wait till uh, we talk about the New Japan uh, New Year's Dash show. But uh, I love the idea of um, having it's the old kind of all Japan uh, style of having you know kind of two uh, prominent singles wrestlers kind of come together uh, to to be in a tag team to go up against um, the tag team champions and uh, you know Zach and and Minoru are the Rev Pro tag team uh, champions. Uh, but you, it kind of feels like you've got four kind of pretty big singles wrestlers, um, even though they're in their own separate stables. Uh, and I like the idea. I think that having Evil and Sonata against uh, Zack and Suzuki, that feels like a tag title match that you could maybe headline a show with. Um, maybe yeah. not like a big show, but uh, kind of in the way that the, the Never Show will be sometimes defended as the headline uh, title on... Uh, a headline match on some of the smaller shows. I think that's like, a match you like can do that with. Show? Yeah. yeah, a row two show, or um, even if they do like whether they have the new beginning part one, new beginning part night two, uh, or something like that. I, I think you could do that with with that match. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, but yeah, I I, I love this match. Uh, definitely shorter than some of the other matches they've had, but for the time they were given, uh, I think this accomplished everything it was meant to do. Uh, and once again, Ishii is one of the best wrestlers in the world. And uh, yes, <laughs> and I worry about what they're going to do with him or what he can do in, in 2019. But um, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know what exactly is in store for him, but he's always around and he's always having like some of the best matches in the world in that year. So feel, I mean, really I don't, I'm not like too worried about him. It really feels like you can do, you can put Ishii anywhere on the card. Like he yes. really feels like the one wrestler where he can fit perfectly at home in the opener or in a uh, heavyweight title match if needed be. He's good anywhere. <laughs> he's yeah. like, he's easily one of the best wrestlers in, in the world right now. Uh, next, we had the IWGP Tag Team Title Match. Uh, the champions, Gorillas of Destiny, going up against the Young Bucks and Evil and Sonada. And I didn't really find anything particularly memorable about this match. Um, again, like a few other matches on this show, uh, this one felt rushed. Um, but it felt rushed in a way where the only thing coming out of it that I really remembered was uh, Evil's hair and uh, Sonada's oh, yeah. beard. And I like one of them and not the other. And I'll let you figure out which one's which. I like the beard. The, the beard is fine. I've seen people giving out about the beard and I have, those people are crazy. Uh, evil and the, the braids slash dreadlocks, not a fan of. I don't have any comment on them. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but you yeah, there wasn't particularly much about this match that I found memorable at all. Um, yeah, I just wrote everybody doing spots. Matt's back. Fun, fast-paced match. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, and I, I think that um, coming out of this show, one of the, the key things is that everyone associated with uh, All Elite Wrestling uh, lost. And um, oh. I'm hoping that uh, we do see the Young Bucks again in New Japan, um, if only because if this is you know the last we see of them, kind of feels like a bit of a, a damp squib to go out on. Uh, I feel like you could do something a little bit more uh, to give them a real kind of a real send off because uh, this feels I mean, it felt like the match that it was going to be. Um, 
having yeah. those three teams and it felt about the time that they were going to be given uh and i don't find the gorillas of destiny to be particularly um, interesting at this point so i don't know uh, I'm hoping that maybe we, we might get another Young Bucks Evil and Sonata match, but we probably won't. But I'm just happy that the, the tag belt tag titles are back on Evil and Sonata, and I hope that they get a, a more prominent and established run this time. Yeah, I mean they're they're really good as a tag team. Um, I like the idea of Sonata as a singles, but I mean for right now, I think him teaming with Evil is really good. It's it's something interesting, and they'll have a good they'll have good matches with the other teams. I mean, like what we're going to see next month is really good. Uh, Gorillas of Destiny. Um, I kind of like what Tam Tonga is doing right now. He's like the good guy now, and he's being very nice. And I mean that that's nice. But um, I mean as a team overall, I mean they don't really do anything for me. They're 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 fine, but they're they're there. But uh, I think um. And we're going to get into this later, but the theme for 2018 in New Japan is going to be the Bullet Club. So they will probably get the titles back at some point during the year, I feel. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I would enjoy this uh, Evil and Sonata run while it lasts. Yeah, and this does seem to be, um, or it's, people have been saying for the last two years or so now that, you know, when is, uh, when is Sonata's breakout year going to be? And, um... A number of people, including <clears throat> Joe Lanza, uh, have said that, you know, 2019, that's going to be the, the year of Sonata. And I, I think that we'll get a, a clear indication of that coming out of the New Japan Cup. Um, yes. I, I think that uh, if he's in it, he's in it to win it. But and if he's not, then that's probably because they don't want him in it because they don't want him to lose. So that's my prediction I'm... coming out of that. I think he could win the New Japan Cup, but I'm not sure if it's like his his year. If he'll like really rise to the top and like start challenging for the big titles, I I'm not sold on that. Well, I think that because they... it's sorry, off you. Just the, the the main event is just too top heavy. I, I think even with Kenny Omega's, if he's gonna leave or not, um, I think it's still too top heavy for him to like really break through and like really be like a big single star. But I think it, this could be the year where he gets major wins, like, like the New Japan Cup, or or somewhere else. I, I mean, I think that could happen definitely. Well, I think he could definitely do like Zach did last year and win the New Japan Cup, uh, face off at Sakura Genesis, um, lose, but in a you know a, a match that is designed to get him more over through losing, uh, kind of like yeah. with the the match with Okada last year. Uh, and then set himself up for what would hopefully be a, a pretty prominent and more successful G1 run. Uh, but until then, yeah, we have him as a tag champ, and I'm not going to complain with that. Yep. Uh, next, we had the IWGP US title match uh, with champion Cody uh, going up against Juice Robinson. Uh, I didn't realize coming to this show... Um, that uh, Cody is working with uh, what seems to be a pretty oh, banged up knee at the moment. I completely forgot until he mentioned it after the show. I'm like, oh yeah, well, yeah, he was out for a while because he was supposed to defend the title against, I think, Juice Robinson actually. Yeah. Uh, during the ROH match or during the ROH tour, and he was out there. I think he was uh, doing something with the crowd, and he planted his foot wrong, and his ankle popped. Yeah, so uh, now obviously this was 
the the worst match on the show um by some degree yeah. um but it's it's hard to it's hard to to put too much blame on either wrestler because uh you know if you got a shot knee you got a shot knee and there's not much you can do about yeah. it um so you know we got the belt onto juice we've accomplished what we needed to do um i'll be curious to see where they go going forward with juice um i have i'm not really a fan of juice's kind of current character direction slash uh general persona uh i think it's it's well it is goofy um and it's yeah it's going so much in that direction that i'm getting flashbacks of cj parker and i don't want that uh, um I, I just want juice I robinson go that far. it's okay it's not as bad as that because nothing's as bad as yeah. that but damn it if he's going to share the same last name as me he needs to you know um f- put in a more respectable type of uh character and, and direction um so i don't know i will see where we where things go going forward i think between Juice and between the US title itself, uh, I, I think that um, Gator really needs to kind of get a clearer idea of what this belt is meant to be because yeah. um, I've seen uh, people say it will put kind of comparisons towards like the European Championship uh, in its kind of original form of being like this belt that will be defended around Europe and by European wrestlers, uh, which lasted all of um, one champion between from Bulldog to Shawn Michaels. Um but I can see this as being the belt that they use to defend on, on a lot of the, the American New Japan shows. Yeah, I think that's the goal. The goal is to defend it on every big New Japan show that they hold in the United States. So we'll probably see a title defense um, during the shows in February. I think the next program is him and Beretta. So I think they're going to do that match probably on one of those shows. Shows. Um, as for this match, um, it wasn't really anything special. It, it was just there i don't think it was like bad but it was not any good (laughs) i would say i mean it certainly Um, didn't feel like a wrestle kingdom match and it didn't even uh come close to the first time these two faced off two years ago at wrestle kingdom yeah i mean that match was i think a little bit better yeah it's possible Um, and certainly didn't compare to cody's match last year with uh abushi which uh was surprisingly good but yeah, that was really good. Partially only because uh, Ibushi was more than willing to kill himself, as he usually does. True. I mean, and, that, that uh, crossroads off the ring was... Ooh. God, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> now that you've told me, Eric, I really remember that. That was scary as hell. Uh-huh. But yeah, uh, there's nothing like that in this match. Uh, it was Which fine. I'm fine with, by the way. I'm fine with people yeah, not killing yeah, it's, it's true. I don't want Ibushi <laughs> breaking his neck and... Yeah. And all that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and do you think um, do you think that's it for Cody now? Uh, I think for him, yes. I think he's going to go to AEW and he's going to be uh, the guy there, the executive vice president. I, I mean, I, I could see him if if AEW and New Japan do develop a working relationship, I can see him back. But if they don't, then that's I, I would think that's it. Which the only thing surprising with that is the the one thing that um, he's made clear that he wanted to do was to uh, perform in the, the G one, um, yeah. and that hasn't happened yet. Um, and I think most of that's down to just being uh, because of scheduling conflicts with either um, 
filming um i don't know what it was for arrow or something else but you know that's just that's kept him away from not being able to do that um so i could still see him wanting to some way somehow perform in the g1 and if anyone's going to be able to do that it's cody because you know this is the man that managed to in one year perform at wrestlemania bound for glory final battle and wrestle kingdom uh which is so one that's a pretty fucking notable thing to be able to uh, accomplish so that's uh, noteworthy. Yeah, yeah. If if anyone's going to be able to pull it off, if anyone's going to be able to get in the G one, um, even with this whole AEW thing, I think Cody could pull it off. Whether we want to see him in the G one is another factor. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know there's a lot of people who hate Cody in terms of his in-ring work. I'm fine with Cody. Uh, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Don't want to see him in the G one. I I don't. I don't know. I'd rather take Hangman hey, Page again. I'll say that much. Yeah, he was really good. Yeah. That, um, last year, yeah. In fact, I'd rather have seen Hangman Page in this match, but I digress. Uh, IWGP Junior Heavyweight Title Match: The Champion Kushida versus Tajiri Ishimori. And uh, the first thing I want to discuss is the tiny version of Kushida um, that scared me to the fucking most terrifying thing I have ever seen. Oh, the. the kid in the mask yeah that's look i i get it yeah. like you wanted to go with a little bit of realism with the mask sometimes you can do a little bit too much realism and that was a little bit too much realism yeah that was like really really scary like like oh man i like when i saw i, I put out, out on twitter like i'm gonna have nightmares because of this shit you know what i mean like yeah like the like, japanese oh, man, know how terrifying. to do horror and they fucking showed it there um yeah <laughs> yeah i i now I'm visioning it in my head. I'm, I'm like, sorry. Oh. I'm sorry. Yeah, um, thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, so Kushida and Ishimori, and I I felt a little bit underwhelmed with this match. Um, yeah. I, I think partially that's down to uh, the last two years we've had, um, we had Kushida and Takahashi have just a fucking awesome match. Yes. And then we had the four-way last year, which I went back and watched the other day, and from the, the opening seconds of that match till the time it ends is just a non-stop sprint. And yeah. this wasn't that. And oh. I felt a little bit underwhelmed just because um, I thought Ishimori had a fucking tremendous uh, best of the Super Juniors. Um, and Kushida, Kushida knocks it out of the park every time. Uh, but I don't know. It, it never reached the, the heights that I think that these two could manage. And even though this only went just over 11 minutes... Um, I don't know. I I still felt like they could have done more. Yeah, this it was like it was a really good match. I, I don't know, really good, but it was a good match. But um, they never went to that next level. They just kind of had a good match. It, it felt like maybe like a really good raw match. You, you know what I mean? It, it's just kind of it was just kind of there, and it, it's kind of surprising because Kushida is one of the best in the world, and Ishimori is really great, and yeah, they were given like 10, 15 minutes, or it, it wasn't that long of a match. Um, but it was just kind of there. It was, it was just really weird that they would have just kind of their junior title match win. In Russell Kingdom history, we've seen some of the best junior heavyweight matches of the year on this card. So, it, yeah, it was really... Now that I'm looking at it and I'm thinking about it, it, that's really weird. The one thing I will say, and this was prominent up and down the card... And I feel like it was more prominent uh, or more noticeable in the matches with the Elite. Um, but certainly was prominent here is that 
uh, every finish had just a real kind of emphatic, uh, outside of the main event, had a real kind of emphatic, actually the two main events, had an emphatic, uh, like, finish a hit, boom, that's it. You know, like as soon yeah. as Ishimori hit the bloody cross, that was it. You know, the match was over. Uh, and it did feel like the, the, the finish came a little bit too soon. But at the yeah. same time, I'm kind of fine with like, no, if you hit your finisher and it ends the match, then that's fine. But it is that kind of like, uh, unlike where uh, with Zack Sabre Jr., his whole thing is that, hey, he does submissions, so he can end the match at any moment. That's not as established here. So it did kind of feel like, oh, that's the end. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that was his finisher. So sure, that would end the match. But it did still kind of feel like it came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It was good, but I mean, it was felt too short. And I mean, do you gotta bring up the Kushido rumors now or until Dash? I mean, we can bring it up now. I mean, between the two of them, um, like the direction for Ishimori is TBD, I guess. Um, yeah. And but yeah, Kushida. So the the rumors. I, I actually I think uh, based on the card, uh, New Year's Dash card, I think it might be Taguchi, but I'm not sure. I guess I I guess Taguchi's fine for a first defense just to kind of yeah. get the ball rolling. So yeah, I suppose you could do that. Um, yeah, but Kushida. So yeah, the the rumors have been out there for a while now that um, he may be off to Florida, um, or <laughs> who knows? Maybe he'll go to All Elite. Um, I think I think if he's gonna go, he's gonna go to WWE. That's that's like my feeling. In all honesty, he could be going there to AEW, but I'm not sure. In all honesty, I I don't I don't really mind where he ends up, but I am happy that he's gonna go and do something else because it is one of those like he has done pretty much everything uh, he yeah. could possibly do, and you know if if Takahashi hadn't uh, gotten injured last year. I don't think you see Kushida in this match. You know, I, I think he is here yeah. purely by circumstance. Um, That's what his entire run as junior champion felt like for the last few months. Yeah, exactly. And so... Like they and had that, a plan, but then he got injured, so the yeah. rest of the year is kind of just there. Yeah, and that's no fault of his own. Um, but yeah. definitely, the, the 2018 was... It felt like it was meant to be Takahashi's year, so... Um, but, you know, Kushida is, is the, the junior ace, so if you're going to put it back on anyone, it, he's a safe bet. Um, but definitely, you know, I don't think that they're going to push him to to um, the heavyweights. So, no. yeah, I, I think... He's too small. Yeah, so I think now is time for him to, to, to move somewhere else, and I don't mind where he ends up. I'm sure Ring of Honor would love to have him, um, but you, I, I think he'll probably end up um, on 205 Live. If that's a positive, the, the WWE's goal two hundred five live is to like make it a touring brand. Even though nobody like pays attention to it, it's kind of like sad just how little people pay attention to it. Even though most weeks it's a pretty good show. Um, I mean, she could go there, but he, I, I would have to think that he would know what that would mean. But um, I, I mean, if he. Some people just want to go to WWE to, like, fulfill a dream. And maybe Kushida's one of those people. So, I mean, I mean, who knows? I, I don't see him getting, like, a push on Raw or SmackDown. No. I, I see him 205 Live. Yeah, I mean, if... Maybe NXT for a while. I mean, 
Atami uh, or Kenta is the, the victim of um, a series of unfortunate injuries, but if Kenta couldn't get onto Raw or SmackDown, I don't think Ashida's going to either. Tozawa too. And Tozawa as well, yeah. So, I was looking at his uh, cage match listings recently, and he's not even on there that m- most of the... Um, for like the rest of the, the half, the second half of the year, he was not on the show a lot. That's depressing. That's really yeah. depressing. And they, they don't have house shows. They don't go to house shows. So he wrestled maybe a handful of matches. It is, it is kind of maddening to think, like, what the hell do they actually do, like, with the rest of their time? I guess. Maybe, some of them maybe work NXT house shows a lot, but I think the rest of them, I, I don't really know what they do. Uh, it's appear on up, up, it's down, down. Weird. I guess. Yeah, I yeah. guess. Um, all right, third from the top, Kazuchika Okada versus Switchblade Jay White in what I think uh, was the best built match on the card. Yeah, um, partially, partially down to um, a very interesting 2018 for both wrestlers, uh, with Jay White, you know, getting his getting his feet sunk into this Switchblade character and trying to, you know, kind of fully establish what he's meant to be uh, and not just being a knife pervert. Um, but I think he's done a good job with that. And Kazuchika Okada coming off of losing uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship and going a bit weird for a few months. Um, I think we can start by saying that uh, the return of the shorts uh, was a fantastic reveal and got a pop. <laughs> Uh, which is just ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but I love this match. I thought this match was awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I think the finish, just how they got to the Blade Runner, um, it really felt, you know, it came out of nowhere, but it was that good kind of come out of nowhere. You know, it was a real shocking surprise, but uh, I, I think everything about this match uh, worked in terms of being a great match and accomplishing what it needed to do. I com- Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, people freaked out over the shorts, which kind of surprised me. I mean, I know that was a talking point on the internet that, oh, well, why, why did he dump the shorts for like the tights or, or the long shorts or, or whatever? And yeah, that was kind of a thing for a while. But then when Okada, he came out and he was the Okada from when he was champion. He, it wasn't this weird, like coming out with balloons and long tights and red hair and all that was gone. Uh, he came out to his old music. He, um, yeah, I mean, he was Okada from earlier 2018, 2017. And he looked like a fucking megastar. Yeah, and he, he was over. He was, like, completely over. He was the guy. And, and and this match was, I think, more about Okada's reemergence as the guy than um, Jay White. And Jay White is good. Right now, I, I think he's had a pretty good 2018, and um, yeah, he got the win here out of nowhere. Um, and I think with that win, it's becoming very clear that 2019 is going to be about building him up as a guy. I, I and I'm not really sure if they're going to put the title on him or not. I think that might be coming. I um, do you know what? I'm not thinking too far ahead with that. I'm just going to see how it plays out. Yeah, um, uh, but I think he's going to be like a really top major player this year. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Like they've booked him with that in mind. You know, he is one of their own um, in everything other than he's not Japanese, but he is as as New Japan as it gets. Um, and I just I keep being surprised 
by the charisma that he has because you know before coming back as uh, as a switchblade character um he was a pretty kind of by the numbers uh babyface in ring of honor <clears throat> yeah and then obviously before that as a young line you don't really have an established character yet but i've i've just been so surprised by how good he has been at a being just an absolute bastard but also <laughs> having the charisma to to make it work um like he's he's promo the next night at New Year's Dash, um, and everything just going into this match, you know, he he's become a really good talker, and I don't know who the fuck told him because I didn't think he had this in him, um, and yeah, just this whole year has been a surprise because it really felt like coming out of last year's show that just this isn't going to work, but he's had twelve months to get this character to where it needs to be to where it kind of works as uh being a heel uh but being a heel in new japan but not feeling hokey not feeling like a kind of sports entertainment type character i guess yeah uh i i think personally um he's really good he's evolved a lot in last year and he's gotten really good i'm not sure if he's like really really up there just yet but i think that's going to be the theme of 2018 is him probably reaching that goal of being the guy, the top heel in New Japan. So that's going to be. But he's also 26. Yeah, and that's true. He's, he's still really young. Yeah. And he's just barely. Um, I wouldn't say barely now, but he's just a couple of years off his young lion run. So yeah, yeah, there's still a lot of time to evolve. Um, and can I say, uh, I'm all aboard the fiery babyface Kazuchika Okada run. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of as like, I mean, he's been, it, it is kind of hard to like over the last couple of years fully identify what, uh, a Carter, a Carter's, um, where he's meant to be. He, he kind of goes between being uh, a tweener to being a face. Um, but it's kind of like with Tanahashi, like if he needs to, he can flick the switch and he can play the prick, you know, just depending on what the match is. But, um, you know, we've seen a couple of times where Akada is, and I remember, I think it was the the G1 win against Nakamura where he really kind of went full babyface, certainly after the match as well. Um, but here, it was just a, a fiery type of babyface performance that I've never seen from Akada, as far as I remember. Uh, and he had it here, and he had it the, the next night, and uh, I'm I'm fully on board of it. I think this is going to be a really fun year for Akada. Yeah, I agree. This is going to be a fun year for him. Um, there's been a lot of times where pe- people are always behind him because he's, you know, one of the best in the world. Um, but I think now that he's brought back the shorts, he's brought back um, everything. Uh, everything that made him, you know, one of the top guys in New Japan. Uh, people are into that, and that's probably going to play a lot into 2019. This reemergence as him as the Rainmaker again. And we're gonna see, um, we're just gonna see him being one of the top guys again. And I, I would think eventually he gets his win back over G. White. I don't know when, but I think they're gonna go again some days, uh, probably in, in the next few months. I, I would think before Dominion, maybe at Dominion. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see him in the mix still. He, he's he's only thirty, so I mean, that's scary to think as well. Yeah. <laughs> 
She's Jeez. had one of the best runs of all time, and he's 30. I find it only depressing so. because I'm 30 as well, and I look yeah. at him, and I'm like, mm, where did I go wrong in life? But anyway, this is not time for an existential <laughs> yeah, crisis. Neither of us are Okada. Yeah, no, no, we're not. Uh, not many people are. Semi-main event, no. IWGP Intercontinental Championship match. Uh, no disqualification match that was uh, established a day or two before. Uh, Chris Jericho, the champion, taking on Tetsuya Naito. Uh, as a rematch from Dominion last year. And uh, I very much enjoyed the uh, Dominion match. Um, and I, going in, was expecting kind of more of the same. Uh, and they had elements of that match and they did callbacks, but it, it felt more of a, a fight than the kind of all and out brawl that that match was. Um, although they, they did bring the weapons for, for here. Um, I very much enjoyed this match. I find the concept of Chris Jericho in his, yeah, I kind of listen to Motley Crue uh, attire to be fucking absurd, but hey, <laughs> Jericho likes 80s metal, so who am I to tell yeah. him how he should dress? Um, but I really enjoyed this. I, you know, it was, it was a wild sprint. Um, it went about half the length of the Omega match from last year, and, you know, this match didn't need to go 40 minutes to establish no. what he needed to do. And, uh, yeah, what did you think of this? I thought this was really good. One of the better matches on the show. It, it got, it wasn't, like, as long as the Omega match, like you said, but it got time, and this was a really, really cool brawl. Um, th there was at one point in the match where Jericho, like, spiked Naito so hard on a table that on the outside. DDT. That fucking DDT. Oh, my scary. word. Scary. That was really, really good. damn scary. Uh, but he got up. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, that was that was like one of the biggest spots of the match that I'm just like, holy crap! But uh, yeah, he, he he Jericho is really good in this element. He he's nearing 50 years old. I think he's 48, and he, you know, I, I there's criticism on him and all that, and you know, whatever. But he doesn't move or, or feel old. And he's not like a Triple H or an Undertaker, where it's kind of sad that they're like uh, late 40s, early 50s, and they're still going out here doing like uh, smoke and mirrors matches, and it's kind of sad because that's all they can kind of do. Well, uh, I think Jericho the, I is think not the thing that. with that is that um, between the three of them, um, Chris Jericho is the one who, and has done this throughout his career, is he's evolved his character and evolved yes. his style to fit either the character or to fit, you know turning 48 like are you gonna see super fiery babyface junior heavyweight chris jericho from the mid 90s no of course you're not you're gonna see this kind of gritty violent um kind of bruiser brody type brawling yeah. character because it suits the age he's at um and he's you know he's worked it, it it's been just incredible to see the how good he's been over this run and the fact that they've been smart in how sparingly they've used him Yes, yes. I think that's a key too. Um, he's the last. His last appearance was when was the evil match? Uh, I think he that was, match that was power struggle. I think power struggle. Okay, so there was Dominion, there was power struggle, and then there was this. That's uh, two or three months in be, in between, I think. So yeah, I mean, I mean, it's he's used sparingly, but when he's used, he's really, really good. And um, you know, more power to him. He's he's. He's always evolved himself. He, he has something new 
every other year. I mean, this isn't even the Jericho of two years ago with the list and being Kevin Owens' friend and all that. This is something completely different, and it works for him and for what he can do at this point. And uh, he, he's an example of somebody who can really evolve and really be great at evolving himself and, and really still have great matches. And this was the perfect example of that. Yeah, uh, and I, I love the image of, um, it was on the, the Instagram account of uh, Naito holding the uh, kendo stick in a kind of baseball swing type position. Um, kind of perfectly just encapsulated the, the chaos of this match. Um, now coming out of it, oh, and also by the way, one thing I realized with this match is that uh, Tetsuya Naito takes a code breaker better than just about anyone else. Yeah. Because <laughs> he just... That was he, a good... He so. just goes full in with it. Um, I love yeah. the way that he takes the, the code breaker. Um, so yeah, coming out of this, uh, Naito is your IC champ again. And it coming into this match, um, there were the questions like, you know, is this really like, what is this, is this, you know, what Naito should be doing right now? Um, you know, oh great, he, you know, he's going to be IC champ again, but we've already been here. We've already established this. And I did like what um, Lanza and and Rich brought up on the the preview for the show that you know it'd be good for Naito to have a little bit of character progression to be like you know you know fuck it I'm gonna respect this belt I'm gonna um, they're not giving me the chance to to be the IWGP Heavyweight Champ so I'm gonna make this the most important belt and you know involve his character a bit because while I uh, enjoy the the tranquilo. Uh, aspects of his character I, I do think it's time for him to and certainly if we're going to do a Carter and Nato again he needs to over the next year come into that match with a little bit of a different edge to his character because if we just end up with the same Naito again and the same Okada again uh, I, I feel like that's just a waste of two years I would agree um, and that was my thinking too after he won the title I, my, my thinking was well you know, the last run, really long run he had with the title, he kind of like threw it around, he destroyed it, he made it uglier than it looked because they, they spray painted that uh, last title white. And it looked so bad by the end. But, I mean, he destroyed it too, so it kind of it kind of fit, I guess. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, this run, I think he needs to do something different. I think he needs to maybe... Uh, See what what you said. You know he need. Um, I want to make this title the biggest one in New Japan. I want to make this important. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think it needs to be something different because if they're just gonna do the same thing again, it feels kind of like, well, we we've been through this. We we've seen this before. It's kind of like just there. And Aito's been so established with the IC title for for so many years. It's like we're gonna go through this again. So, so yeah, I think there needs to be a change. And I hope there is. I'm not sure if they will, though. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see him... I could see him holding this belt to uh, to Wrestle Kingdom um, sure. next year and with this change of character, but um, it certainly didn't feel like we had that established over um, the end of this match and going into the next night. But we'll no. see. It's early days. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought this match was great. I think that... Um, Chris Jericho again just you know he's had nothing less than a four star match um, in all the matches he's had um, which again 
part of that is is him being used so sparingly. And um, Jericho wasn't on the next night, so uh, he he called out Tanahashi. He called out that he wanted a yeah. shot of the title. Um, I feel like that's going to be the Madison Square Garden main event. I kind of think that as well. Um, I don't know how long Tanahashi's going to hold this belt for. I, you know, how if we're going with the end goal being Okada and Naito next year, I have no clue how we get there. Like, I, I have no idea of of um, how those pieces fall into place. And yeah, yeah, I don't the, know either. And the Madison Square Garden uh, show is interesting because, like, they can put any match they want on there because the show's already sold out. Like, they yes. could put Tanahashi against fucking David Finley if they wanted to. It doesn't matter. The show is sold out. Not saying that they should do that. Or maybe they should. Fuck it. Why not? Um, but yeah, I mean, Jericho would be an interesting one um, because obviously, you know, he was born in New York and uh, the the lineage of his dad and whatnot. Though, mm-hmm. would he want to? Because there was always the thing about, you know, he wouldn't perform in America for another company. Though, I think he said recently, though, that he's kind of like over that. Yeah, yeah, and that's just the thing. Um, and I think at this point, like, it doesn't fucking matter. He's 48. Like, if he does go back to the WWE, is he going to be pushed to any prominent degree, whether he has a match in America for another company or not? I don't really think there's there's going to be too I don't think difference. so either. I mean, there's always money stuff. I mean, they can always bring him back if he wants to come back, but... My feeling is that Jericho's having way more fun doing this kind of stuff right now. Yeah, I, I like, think it's, why go back? I think it's more likely that he appears on the Madison Square Garden show and that he appears at the Double or Nothing show as well for AEW. Yes. Uh, him and Pentagon Jr., just to get to where we got to last year with uh, Jericho showing up at the first All-In in Pentagon's, Pentagon's gear. It's true. That would uh, be a fun match. That would be a fun match. Uh, and then our main event, Kenny Omega, the champion, coming out with. Have you seen the the uh, the full video, uh, the Kenny's Quest yes. video, by the way? Kenny's Quest, yeah. I mean that that was really cool, and uh, I wish I can say I've been Undertale, but I haven't. I've played maybe a couple of hours, but uh, still seeing this video was really cool. I think it was a collaboration between him and the developer. Uh, Toby, Toby Fox, I think yeah, his name Toby is. Fox, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that was like really cool to see. That was like really. I, I like the music. I like the. I, I like everything about that video. That was a really cool video. Yeah, I mean, I I have finished uh, Undertale, and I love that game. And it what helped as well is that I'd read his uh, top ten of the year uh, for Giant Bomb. Um, uh, Giant. Oh Bomb. yeah, that that was his top. That game. was his game of the year, so yeah. like it was just this cool kind of like yeah he really fucking likes this game um, yeah <laughs> so uh, that was really cool I uh, loved his entrance loved the the one wing angel stuff um, some people have kind of knocked him over the years for his more kind of like cosplay aesthetic but fuck it it's the biggest show of the year and yeah. Triple H just come yeah. out as the Terminator one year so really yeah, Triple H always needs an elaborate WrestleMania entrance so why can't Kane exactly yeah, so fuck off you know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, and you know Tanahashi comes out as an aging rock star. So I mean, as far as I'm concerned, whatever. Um, what did you think of this match? Um, it's already like the match of the year at at this point. It's uh, it was an incredible match. It um, just it was the perfect timing. I I was worried that they were gonna go like two hours or something, but. I think it was like around the 40 I'm minute mark. I'm pretty sure if it had gone two hours, 
some part of Tanahashi would have fallen off. True. He, you know what? It's kind of sad watching him come to the ring. I, I don't know if it was here or if it was at the uh, press conference before, but I mean, I, I see him walking to the ring and he's he's hurting. Oh yeah. He, <laughs> oh, like he's been banged up for years. I mean, I get it that um, you know the night after having a, a forty-five minute match, you're going to be stiff and everything's going to hurt. But yeah. watching him trying to get into the ring at New Year's Dash was oh boy. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 to me, seeing that makes me feel like this is like his last big run. But I don't really know because it's, uh, the mentality there is to work even if you're hurt. But I think there's going to be a point where he gets injured again and then he comes back and he's not going to be the same. So I, I, I mean, it, this is probably going to be his last run, I feel. But, uh, going back to the match, it was, uh, really, really great. Uh, there was like one, okay, there was like two spots in the match that just got me like, oh. And one was Omega destroying his knee after Tanahashi uh, did a dragon screw and he landed like right on his knee and that. Oh, that spot. That kind of looked like it hurt like hell. Yeah, that that, that really really uh, that was an amazing spot, but it, ow. I will Man. say I will say for that one spot. Um, and this was one of my few criticisms I had of the match. And I'm I'm not someone that tries to, to critique a wrestling match um, that much because I'm not a wrestler and who am I to say, you know, whatever. But certainly on the second time watching that match, um, that, that feels like... And, and Tanahashi has this and Omega has this in matches where they have a point where you kind of really go from like the first part of the match into the next part of the match. And... That spot felt like a really kind of prominent spot. And the, you know, from there, uh, Tanahashi went into the Texas Cloverleaf. And there was a few times afterwards where Kenny would kind of, um, he, you could see him kind of going to the leg, but it didn't become, as the match wore on, really that kind of prominent at all. Yeah, it wasn't a central figure. Of uh, the rest of the match. Yeah, and what I thought would have been the the real kind of prominent spot for that is the the one winged angel. Uh, I really felt that, and certainly on the second viewing, that when he got him up for the one winged angels, like I was thinking, okay, that's where somewhere where your leg injury should have kind of come into that and, and played into your downfall uh, for Tanahashi to reverse it, um, and it wasn't really the case, and I felt that that was just. More of a missed opportunity than anything else. That would have been a good finish, but they they didn't do that. Um, I think the, the you know, and I agree. I mean, I'm not a wrestler, obviously. I I, I never taken a bump or anything, but it, you know, you one of the big problems in New Japan is they work on a body part and then it doesn't play into the finish. I I see that a lot, and. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's like, why do you work on a body part and then it doesn't play into the finish of a match? And uh, I, I, I think this was the case, another case here. But, I, I mean, that's kind of like nitpicking because this is like a really great match overall. Uh, probably could be one of the better matches of the year. Um, and there, one more spot I wanted to point out was Tanahashi, I think, had Omega set up on a table and Omega escaped and... Tanahashi went like stomach first into the table. That was like oh my an God. amazing spot. Yeah, yeah, because most of the time New Japan or Japan in general, Japanese tables don't break. There, there is even a meme out of it uh, on Bosch Mania. 
But this one broke. <laughs> like, like it broke big time. And I, I don't know, maybe finally uh, New Japan or somebody got tipped that uh, on how to like how to like how to like break tables. And it broke here. <laughs> it broke big time. So uh, uh, that, that that was a really cool spot too. I mean, it had to hurt. But it, it, it was, was definitely cool. one of those like, come on now, Tanahashi. I know you want to have the best match on the yeah. show, but you're 41 and you're every part of 41. So, uh. yeah. yeah. But yeah, I I mean, I agree. I I think this match was was uh, it was an, an excellent match. Um, I. There are going to be the comparisons to the the big matches over the last couple of years, and certainly with um, the uh, you know the Okada Omega match is kind of going to be the the go to in terms of um, the comparisons. And you know, I I've seen people that are just sick of these kind of forty minute matches with Kenny Omega, and I I don't get it. I I'm from the the start to the end. I'm utterly enthralled. Like there's just not every match needs to be a sprint. Not every match needs to be a marathon. Um, and I get it that like you just you know when a match is going to go 40, 45 minutes. Um, but it's the main event of Wrestle Kingdom, and yes, you know I want that kind of grandiose, epic spectacle because. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get it in a WrestleMania main event, and I can't even think the last time we had it in a WrestleMania main event. So, you know, I it's want it here. And these are the two wrestlers, and you can add Okada and Naito in there, that you're going to get that kind of match. And I, I think this delivered in spades. I, I think the most important part about match length is that if it feels like a 45-minute match, then, I mean, you probably shouldn't do it. But if it doesn't feel like a 45-minute match, then, I, I mean... Go for it. I mean, some of the best matches of the last few years have been Kenny Omega's matches, and they've gone 45 minutes. They've gone to the time limit. They've, you know, you know, they they they're long matches, but they did, never felt like it was a long match. Like, you know, you know, I forget the last time he's had an hour draw. Um, I can't think off the top of my head, but I mean, every time I see those kind of matches from him, it's like, well. It didn't feel like an hour. It didn't feel like 45 minutes. It felt like a really, really great main event. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, as long as the 45-minute matches don't feel like 45-minute matches, I, I think, you know, go ahead and do them. Yeah, that's the thing with Omega as well, is, like, he'll have these matches that go, you know, plus 40 minutes, but they never feel like it. Like, the, the pace yeah. that that man works at... Um, and, you know, all fucking the respect in the world to Tanahashi um, for, for keeping up that pace as well, even though he did look like he was struggling at points. Um, yeah. yeah they, they never feel like they go as long as they do at all. No. Nope. Um, and the thing coming out of that as well is obviously, you know, Tanahashi is the IWGB Heavyweight Champion again. Um, do you Number eight. Do you think that this is the uh, to do with anything around Omega and his uh, his status in the company and where I... he, you know where he may be heading for green hashes, <clears throat> or would you think this was the plan all along? I think it was the plan all along for him to lose, um, but it does play into you know where does he go next, um, and that's up in the air. I mean, he could stay with New Japan. Um, he could go to WWE. There's speculation he got a really good deal out of that. 
And of course, there's always AEW. And he is not confirmed for AEW, as far as I know. I, I think his contract, um, his contract with New Japan is going to go up in probably at the end of the month. And from there, I don't know where he will go. I mean, that's up to him. Um, I mean, if he wants stability, he can stay in New Japan. He can go to WWE for money, or he can try something new with AEW. It's. I, I think the most interesting move for him would be... Um, AEW. I mean, like, does he want to try something new? Does he want to give up this kind of stability that he, with New Japan? Because he can be with New Japan for years as their top guy or one of their top guys. Um, WWE, I mean, he can go for money, but, uh, you know, uh, WWE and their booking is not good. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. And uh, it, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with him in WWE. I mean, he could be a, a, just a guy by this time next year. So uh, there's a lot of options for him. There's a lot of things he can do. There's a lot of um, potential future possibilities for him. But, I mean, if I had, if I had to choose, I, I really can't because it's... Uh, all three of those options are probably pretty good for him. Or, or, or at least interesting. Yeah, I, I think that it's definitely AEW is what throws this all up in the air, where before you had yeah. this just two-horse race of, uh, you know, is he going to be in the Rumble or not? But now it's... Oh, it would be very, very interesting if he ends up in AEW, because that takes this promotion that already, you know, has a lot of money behind it, and I still don't think people realize just how much money is going to be invested into this, to, oh wait, they have like a legit, like, top-tier main eventer around the world that the WWE yeah. want and they don't have. Yeah, and that's something that hasn't happened a lot for WWE. Because uh, they're usually, they're if they want somebody, they'll they have a good chance of getting them. And uh, this might not be the case this time. Yeah. It's their it might be a bidding war. But, like, does he even want to move to America? This is the thing as well. Like, as you said, you know, he's lived in Japan for uh, nearly 10 years or so now. And, yeah. you know, he's so ingrained in that culture and that lifestyle. And he obviously loves Japan um, that I, I feel like it's going to take an incredible amount of money, which both of these uh, companies have. Um, so we'll see. You know, I never thought Volta would join WWE, but here we are, you know, so... Yeah, yeah, um, that's true. But if he's going to go out, he went out on an incredible match, and uh, yeah. and I think he would be happy enough with that. Definitely. So we'll do a, a quick uh, run up rundown of uh, New Year's Dash, which took place the next night, kind of like the Raw after WrestleMania, uh, and uh, this was not really as notable as it has been. Um, in past no. years, um, I'm not going to do a rundown of all the matches. We're just kind of come talk about the the things coming out of the show. Uh, first of all, uh, looks like you're going to get Taichi as your next contender for the Intercontinental Championship belt. They're really keen on pushing him, and do I don't know, know why. Do you know what? I have been fine with Taichi's heavyweight run. Uh, I much it's... prefer him here over his junior heavyweight run. I Grading guess. on a curve, I get that. But it's still a positive. Sure. <laughs> and I guess it's some, it's different for Naito as well, because I'd rather Taichi than Minoru Suzuki, because I didn't like any of their matches last year. 
it, it's something new at least. It's something different, and I, I guess you can go with it. Um, you, you know, A2 is one of the best in the world, and he could probably have a great match with anybody. And, you know, Chaichi has a style that is not really that interesting. So I'm interested to see what, what kind of match they'll have. I mean, my, my first reaction, my first gut reaction was like, why are they doing this? <laughs> so... <clears throat> and then my uh, second reaction is, well, now I have a, like a morbid curiosity as as to how this match would actually go. So so now I'm kind of like interested in it. And I'm I, not going to think it's like good or anything, but I, I want to see it. I think the thing that has me most interested is that, like the the key matches that you've got coming out, um, and we'll get to the other one as well. Like you've got Taichi and uh, Naito. And then you've got White and Tanahashi. So you've got two wrestlers there who are not in any way um, at this point, you know, established as um, kind of real draws. And, you know, White is to be determined and, and Taichi's been around forever. Um, but this is a, a, you know, a real kind of new position for him to be in. Because uh, I don't really qualify the never belt, never heavyweight belt the same way that you would the IC belt. And certainly not the yeah. the... IWGB Heavyweight Championship. Um, so if they're going to go forward with like these two matches to draw a house, I'm very curious to see just how powerful the drawing abilities of Tanahashi and Naito will be um, in regards to this. Because I'm pretty sure, um, at least with Naito and Taichi, there's no fucking way Taichi's winning that match. White and Tanahashi no. may be slightly more up in the air, but I'd say it's, it's at least... 80% likely that Tanahashi would win that match going into Madison Square Garden? Um, I think it would, I think it'll do alright. I mean, Tanahashi's still a draw. Um, I don't know. I, I, if if Taichi or, and uh, Naito are going to headline, I would be really shocked if they do that. Um, I don't know about that one. I, I think Naito's still a draw. I think they'll do okay, but I mean, I don't know if they'll, like, sell out, but but maybe they will. I mean, it's a real test. Yeah, that's, that's one way of putting it. Um, hey, it's a big test. But that's what has me curious as well about um, the fact that they've also got uh, the tag titles, the tag title match with Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. with Evil and Sonata. And yeah. I'll be very curious to see how where that gets into on on the card and whether they um have that as more of a, a kind of drawing or a match that they see as the match they want to draw over say Taichi and Naito. Um but we'll see. Uh I, I'm it's very much a kind of morbid curiosity as compared to years before where uh they like built up or established like, okay, we've got uh, Takahashi and Dragon Lee. Okay, that's awesome. Or um you know, okay, Suzuki's going to uh, challenge for the IC belt. Okay, cool. Um, you know, like either an established feud or an established uh, uh, contender. Uh, and here it's, yeah, it's, I mean, you can't say that Ghetto is, is trying with um, different people or new people. You know, these are fresh matches and I, yeah. I will not critique Ghetto for that. Yeah, that's true. There are new matches. They're, they're, they haven't been done that much. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see how they go. Um, 
And the thing is, I'm not sold on uh, Taichi being a headliner at all. And uh, White, I, I mean, um, I mean, this is gonna be his year where, where it's gonna be the year where they push him. So yeah, I mean, I think that will be the first big test if he and I mean he and Tanahashi will have to headline. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how he does. Though with that said, uh, speaking of fresh matchups, uh, one that is not is Okada and Farley in watch at this point seems like an uh, annual why, tradition to do why this do match. We have to see, why do you have to see this every year? I don't know. It's, I mean, it's not going to be bad or anything because they usually have good matches. Yeah, but... Okada gets like some of the better matches out of Farley, but th- there is just about no reason for this match to, to exist. I, I don't want to like, say this, but like... <sighs> Farley... I don't know. He's 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 there. He's tall. I kind of like the vibe. I, I I'm not. I don't like the idea of him in singles matches. It's kind of like what's the point? You know, it's yeah. He's tall, and and it it does feel know. it does feel like they've everything that they've wanted to get from Farley as as a character and as a wrestler they've they've done over the past four to five years. Um, yeah, and I think we've there, there's no much... evolution. There's no evolution with him. No, not at all. No. Uh, well, I mean, we could kind of say that about a lot to do with the Bullet Club at this point. In fairness, yeah, I, I think with the Bullet Club they they've restructured and it's kind of new. But yeah, I mean, there, there is something about that. This is we're like on uh, year what uh, they started in 2013, so six years, seven years. It's been going on for a while. Yeah, and it looks like, as you mentioned um, near the start of the show, that um, that this is going to be a, a prominent year for Bullet Club, um, and this is the first time where it feels like Bullet Club are going to be featured heavily, and I'm not particularly thrilled about it, um, and that's because a significant portion of what's left of Bullet Club are just a lot of people that I'm not that interested in. Um, yeah. And you can definitely feel that removal of the elite uh, really damages what's left of the Bullet Club now. You know, they have some parts of it, of, of that group, that are fine. I think Chase, Chase Owens is, is a good wrestler um, in terms of being someone you can do something with. I don't really think so. And, you know, I'm not as much for a stickler when it comes to, to looks as some people are, but he has about as average a look as you can possibly have as a wrestler. Yeah. And, you know, if he wants but to... But I think he he makes up for that with... He has his own charisma that I like. He does. He absolutely does. But he could try a little bit more. That's what I'm going to say. Not that I'm in, in, in any position to say anything, because I'm a slob as well. But still, I'm not a wrestler. Anyway, regardless. Um, but then after that, yeah, like... Gorillas of Destiny at this point, I don't think Tamatonga's going to evolve past uh, what he is now. I think that opportunity has passed. Yeah, um, I think with the last G1, it kind of became clear this is where he's at, and, and yeah, that's fine. Yeah. But. So really, when it comes to Bullet Club, like the only uh, act that they have with any real notoriety is Jay White. Um, but I... <sighs> I look at Jay White and I don't really see him, even though he's the leader of the Bullet Club, I just, I don't see him as 
part of the Bullet Club. Like, you don't see it on his gear. You don't see anything about him other than, you know, Gator comes out with the Switchblade t-shirt, stylized like the Bullet Club logo. He just... Nothing about him kind of broadcasts that, hey, I'm the leader of this group, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. And um, it still feels, feels weird to see Ghetto and Jado and, and all these Chaos members, or used to be Chaos members, and now they're just transplanted into the Bullet Club and they're all prominent guys. And it still feels weird. I, but I, I think over the, the next year we'll see them grow into that, I think. Yeah, I feel less weird about the, the Ghetto and Jay Wyatt uh, combination. That that I'm fine with, but I just I find yeah. that the the whole kind of point of Jedo's character, uh, sorry, of uh, Jay White's character is that he kind of is just this off kilter person that you know stab anyone in the back, and I I feel like he should just be on his own. I don't think he needs anyone else around him, other than Ghetto. Um, but at the same time, if you're gonna do um, like when it comes to the row two shows and you have the multi man tag matches. You, you kind of need to have um, you need those other wrestlers around you that can take the fall in those types of matches building up the, the title matches so like unless Ghetto's going to do all of those matches with him it's probably needed that he's part of Bullet Club so he can have Chase Owens take take the fall in uh, in those matches so it's it's, yeah. a, it's a necessity in some ways but uh, it, I don't think it fits his character um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it coming out of uh, of New Year's Dash. And I don't know, how do you feel about? We'll, we'll wrap things up by just how do you feel about uh, New Japan going in into 2019? And uh, you know, 2018 was another incredible year for them. Um, there were more complaints I feel about certain aspects of uh, certain wrestlers and certain booking decisions. Um, but I still on on overall, uh, I think that. You know, as a wrestling company, they put on bigger matches and better matches than anyone else. And, uh, you know, I'm just as excited to see where they go in 2019. I think that this is going to be, in some ways, a bit of a transitional year, uh, certainly with the loss of the Elite. And Kenny Omega is still to be determined. Um, But I think that we can see they're going to start pushing some fresher acts, some newer acts. And, uh, yeah, how do you feel about 2019 in New Japan? Uh, I feel the same. Uh, the Elite's loss and their departure, I think, is going to leave a bigger hole than some people thought, especially me. And I was looking at New Year's Dash, and I, I, that, that was my conclusion at the end of the show. Um, Blood Club is going to be the theme for New Japan 2018. Uh, it's going to be about them. It's going to be building heat on them. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a transitional year. It's I, I don't like feel like really excited about New Japan this year, but you know, like you said, it's always about it's, they always have the greatest matches <clears throat> each year, and um, and uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a pretty good year for them, I feel. But I mean, the elite's absence is going to be felt for most of the year, and uh, Kenny Omega, um, you know, if he leaves, I think. Jay White replacing him as like the top, I, I guess he'll. I don't really know what Kenny Omega is, honestly. Uh, but uh, I don't know if replacing Kenny Omega with Jay White is going to be like the best transition, but it's what they're going to do. Uh, so we're we're going to see how that works out. I I think Jay White will live up to expectations. I don't think like 
Kenny Omega's level, but I think he'll still be like his own guy, and I think that's going to be okay. Um, and just to um, yeah, and I think that's that, that's it for 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 me for my thoughts. Because uh, you pretty much summed it up pretty nicely, and I kinda, I agree with most aspects of what you said. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, we'll wrap things up here then. Um, you know, like Wrestle Kingdom itself, this is a a tidy, concise show, and uh, and I hope that uh, everyone enjoys listening to this. Uh, this podcast will be available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and most podcast platforms. Um, although in this case here, you would be searching. Well, you still be searching for link to the cast, and this will give you because this is part of that RSS feed. Uh, but give us a subscribe, a rating, a review. It all helps. Um, you can contact us on social media at Link to the Cast on Twitter. Uh, my name on Twitter is uh, Lithium Project, and my guest this week, Brian Rose, you can find him at br26. Uh, I don't know if you have anything you want to plug before we head out of here. Uh, no, just go to Wrestling Observer. I think people heard that site, right? I think they. Anyone listening to this probably has heard of Wrestling Observer at this point. Yeah, it's a well. It's a a little our house wrestling website, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, it's where we go to, you know, Big Dave. Yeah. He's your go-to. Um, yeah, uh, anyone that's listened to this, if you've listened, if you haven't listened already, uh, part two of our Game of the Year, uh, end of year show has gone up. Uh, so go and listen to that because we uh, go through the rest of our categories, including uh, Link to the Cast 2018 Game of the Year. Uh, so go and listen to that because uh, it's a good time. Um, this is our first wrap up of the year. We're going to hopefully do a lot more of these. Uh, we've got a whole bunch of things lined up, uh, coming up in January and, uh, through the following months. Uh, we're, we're planning on doing a lot more. Uh, so I hope you enjoy this and please stick around to listen to more. And, uh, yeah, we'll probably be back sometime around WrestleMania to, to talk about the 4,000 shows that will be going on that weekend. Oh, man. <laughs> that weekend is going to be crazy. This is, this is going to be my first WrestleMania weekend. So I'm going to go there and I'm going to have like no idea what to do. But uh, Have you been to New York I'm, before? No. Oh man, you're going to have an awesome time. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I can't wait, honestly. It is, I'm going to go to Madison Square Garden. It's, I'm probably going to go to WrestleMania. I mean, my, my main thing is to go to Madison Square Garden, but I will probably go to a lot of shows. Definitely WrestleMania, maybe NXT. I think they moved the date, so so I, I might go to that. Having been to three WrestleManias now, uh, I can say with some confidence that the actual WrestleMania show itself is the least interesting thing to do. Yeah, that uh, that's exactly why too. But like, like I it, think like I have to go WrestleMania because it's it's like why everybody's there. Here's the thing: if you've never been before, you should absolutely go. Like to at least go once. Um, and I went to the last time they were in the MetLife Stadium, and it's you know it's an awesome spectacle. Uh, so like yeah. if I was going this year and I kind of did want to go because I really wanted to go to the Madison Square Garden show um, I would probably go to everything but Wrestlemania but if you've never been before you should definitely absolutely go to Wrestlemania yeah I kind of feel like since I've never been I have to like do it yeah so uh, that's, probably go. that's entirely reasonable and you should do that uh, well cool have fun with that and uh, yeah try it enjoy uh, getting from one show to another because uh, oh, it, yeah. it was fine in Dallas last year because everything was within about a half an hour walk and it was perfect. It's not going to be the case with <laughs> with New York. No, Dallas is big. New York is 
a little bit more condensed. Dallas is big, but like the venues they were using were all kind of pretty condensed and, and around each other, yeah. so it, it worked out really is well. It, I don't think it's the case here. No, I remember we had to go from um, it was the uh, the rest one of the WrestleCon shows to God. I think it might have actually been to WrestleMania itself, or it might have been whatever the Saturday show was. So we had to rush out of there to then get to our bus, and it's just yeah, it's chaos. So um, yeah, but. If you're going and you're seeing anyone from the Wrestling Observer website, like that's always a good time. And uh, yeah. if you see Doc G, say hello for me because he's one of the best people ever. I uh, will. And on that note, we're gonna head out of here. So, um, yep, enjoy WrestleMania. Uh, and uh, yeah, we'll see you again next time. Later. <laughs>